Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit. Or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. As always, I'm Josie, and today we are joined by our new friend, Mo Dominguez, who is a student in criminal justice, which as a um, true crime obsessive, I love. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about true crime people, Mo, by the way? It's interesting because like I get it because I've definitely, if I go down like a rabbit hole, I will get really into just watching like murder documentaries. Mm. I love it. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of murder documentaries is is kind of interesting because it's like the psychological part of certain documentaries and just certain crimes that happen is um I feel like it's more geared towards like white people if that's okay to say um, um that is definitely okay to say <laughs> okay because i say a lot of like out-of-pocket shit all the time so i'm just like trying to figure out Me what too, the boundaries girl. are <laughs> <laughs> um but i definitely like i, I eventually want to go into criminal defense work so for me, I've seen a lot of the stuff that I've seen have been more how the system is just inherently broken, but even more so towards people of color. And so for me, when I see these murder documentaries, I'm like, cool, but that's some kind of, that's some like white people shit. Like they're mm. committing crimes because like, that's just for whatever reason, mental illness is a thing and they're suffering and it's really unfortunate, but from what I've seen, like working within the legal field, most of the time it's like undocumented people who are getting DUIs. Mm. So it's like, okay, well, why are they getting DUIs? And then like, it goes back to like the culture of like drinking and like a lot of like Latino culture, I'm mm. Mexican and Salvadorian. So I see it all the time. And it's like, well, why are they drinking? And I talked to my dad and my dad's like, well, I started drinking at 12 because that's just what you're told to do. And that's what yeah. makes you a man. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. And so like there are all these little things and so from what i've seen i'm like well if we can fix and have more preventative measures with like education and redirecting certain feelings maybe that wouldn't happen as frequently as we see normally 
but yeah so just like a lot of scatterbrained ideas when it comes to like true crime and what I've actually seen working in the legal field and then mm. just yeah it's a little bit yeah. everywhere I agree I tell my white partner all the time because he's like an adventurer boy scout kid uh, I mean, he's not a kid but he likes to hike mountains and backpack and I'm like listen white man okay I listen to Dateline I know where people get murdered okay I don't want you to murder me in the wilderness and hide my body okay it's uh, true <laughs> right and especially since he's white i'm just like oh, i'm just i'm waiting for it but i do love i think i like true crime specifically because i like watching white people lose their shit because it's just oh, it's so funny. but it that's is. just me <laughs> it is yeah anyways um Tell us, uh, Mo, your life story, your testimony. Tell, um, tell us what we're talking about today, too. Why not? Yeah, so I guess, like, pretty much, like, we're talking about, like, leaving the church, finding your voice after leaving the church, how the church tends to suppress your voice, especially if you are, uh, you know, someone of ethnic background, person of color, mm. and if you are a woman. Mm. That is... Yeah, that's my biggest pet peeve is the fact that, like, I have experienced that pretty much my entire life of being suppressed um, and being forced into being, like, this, like, good little girl who, you know, just does what she's told, doesn't ask any questions, complies to everything, and then, you know, eventually just navigating that whole process of leaving, dealing with the rage, which... I'm gonna be honest, I kind of miss that phase. I really the miss rage. like the yes, yep. yes. I agree. It definitely yeah, it, it fuels you and it definitely propels you into spaces that you wouldn't imagine yourself being into. But um yeah, just how to navigate all that's really what I guess this conversation is gonna be about. So yeah. I'm stoked. So what is your journey with the church? What what did you grow up in? So I grew up in the Assemblies of God Church. Oh, same girl. Why do us Latins yes. get sucked into it? <laughs> yes. I, the stories that I have of the insane shit that I experienced and witnessed, like looking back now, I'm like, how is this ever okay? Like, how did anyone mm. ever allow any of this to happen? But it happened. Um, Quick yeah, aside, so this... did you have, did your church have this thing called Missionettes? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> in royal rangers oh god yes friends for those who don't know these are like offshoots of not offshoots but they're like walmart brand boy scouts and girl scouts but not at all like we don't sell shit or anything like that but you go to camp the boys go camping the girls go to like weekend camps <laughs> anyways it's really bad <laughs> okay continue yeah it, it's so bad we don't learn any life skills nope. at all nope <laughs> indoctrination all the way mm -hmm. um yeah so i grew up in a like latin american assemblies of god church a lot of weird shit happened um my parents were deacons my dad was the leader of the deacons so at least for our church structure, that would make him like the equivalent of almost an associate pastor because it was just like the main pastor and my dad. So that put me in a really interesting position where I was just like always being watched. Um, like anything I did would be reported back to my parents. And that led to my parents being very secretive in a way where like anything that's said in the home stays in the home we mm. don't you know stay out of trouble you need to stay out of trouble because that's going to reflect poorly on our position within the church 
so that was kind of that was just a shit show i had a really shitty childhood for that um Mm. because i just was expected to be this perfect little person and i was never allowed to be myself so when i started getting older I didn't even know who I was, and so it was just really difficult, especially because, like, I have ADHD, mm. so I have all these, like, developing hyperfixations, but it's like, no, you can only hyperfixate on whatever Christianity and church and all that stuff, and that was really hard for me. Yeah, I mean, I remember hyperfixating. Um, I don't know if I have ADHD. I don't need more letters. I already have enough letters in my mental health journey, <laughs> so I'm not going to figure it out, but lots of people tell me I have ADHD, but I hyperfixated on the rapture it was so bad (laughs) like oh no i remember watching the day after tomorrow which is not a religious movie but after that i was convinced that the world's gonna end at any second and i would always do that thing where it's like okay but if i think the world's gonna end today then it can't end today because nobody knows when the world is gonna end so every day i would just think to myself the world's gonna end today it was very traumatic uh (laughs) What are some of the craziest stories from the church that you grew up in? I'm only curious because, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah, Um. so we had a guest speaker from, like, Guatemala come and, like, I don't know what the whole point of it was. I'm pretty sure some kind of, like, revival or something. He was also a healer. Um. So it was, it was a lot of weird shit, but Ooh, I vividly yeah. remember him telling everyone to look at their palms because gold was falling from heaven. Cute. And yeah and i'm like this i i look, remember i was like what like 10 and i looked at i'm like i think this is just sweat <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like convincing everyone that like the shimmer on your hands mm. is gold that's falling from heaven and i'm like no this is sweat like it's hot in here there's a lot of people like this is not gold and um at some point in that same service he had everyone make well not everyone but he had people get him a bag of sugar and he started making like a circle on the ground of sugar it was really weird but it was like honestly some kind of like witchcraft shit vibes but he was like trying to like contain something i don't really remember there was a lot going on people were crying and falling Mm. and like yelling it was a whole thing and i was just sitting there it was like 11 p.m and i'm like i'm tired like when are we going home like just wrap this shit up i'm trying to sleep amen (laughs) those late nights are the worst yeah did you ever go to missionette um like a weekend camp I did. So I did go. Um, it was like co-ed, so it was like missionettes and Royal Rangers. They took what? Us I never to like had the... that shit. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a one-time thing because it was like a district thing. So it was like mm. all these different churches. And they took us into the woods and it was a pretty shitty experience because we had to like sleep in tents and it was like cold. And I don't think like we did it correctly. So <laughs> our tent was just like flying. And um, yeah, I like... It was just not a fun experience. I was miserable most of the time and it was weird. It was just a really weird experience because there was a lot of like just competition between everyone mm. trying to prove whose church was superior. And I'm like, this is so weird. I'm like, it's cold. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm hungry. <laughs> yep. We did um like a bougier version. It was just the girls and we would go to like to a like a camp, like an established camp site. So we slept in cabins and bunk beds and stuff. But yeah, I remember us having cheerleading competitions. Like you would practice all year to be in this cheerleading competition against other churches. 
And there's huge rivalries, but then at the end of the night, everybody's being slain in the spirit. So it's just like a weird vibe. <laughs> it <laughs> is. Which is like very Pentecostal. Um, yeah. Anyways. How do you feel now that you are out you are a latin woman in the real world how, how has that like affected you that is it's been pretty wild so um for me following joe lumen has been like very instrumental in my personal life with mm. like just following her content and like learning from her because i definitely feel like when my family eventually left the lion church space and we transitioned to a white space I definitely lost my identity my cultural identity mm. so I did everything I could to be accepted by white folk and that was very harmful for me um where I stopped speaking Spanish mm. or I would try to not pronounce certain words in Spanish correctly mm. it was a lot of weird shit that I did I would definitely not associate myself with like people of my own culture um because it was difficult I had a lot of white girls in the youth group telling me that you know people of my culture were ghetto oh I'll show you fucking ghetto dude right now <laughs> right right and so then I'm just sitting I'm like you all know I'm also a person of that culture why would you say that so it was like a lot of microaggressions like that, and I just really did not want to be seen as like this person who's also ghetto because I wanted to be portrayed or accepted by these white people who I knew were never going to accept me, never going to accept my family, um, and that was really hard. So Joe Lumen has been really helpful because when I finally left the evangelical church, she helped me kind of start reconnecting with my cultural identity and decolonize from my experience and that has been really helpful where like now I'm not ashamed of speaking Spanish if anything I use it probably probably speak a little bit more than I would in English mm. like at home with my parents with my grandparents um I'm definitely way more comfortable with sharing my ethnicity sharing the fact that I am bilingual in the world and um also just speaking out against like racial injustice and standing up for like my community and advocating the best that I can for my community with in my local area. Yeah, I mean, I talk about this a lot with other content creators and I often tell them like, I don't know where I fit in deconstruction sometimes because I didn't have a lot of the same experiences growing up. Don't know a lot of your weird music references because I missed it. I went to the white people church when I was older. But yeah, there was this weirdness of, oh, okay, so I'm not fully accepted in your church because I'm a person of color. And the only way I'm accepted is like, oh, but you're not like them. You're not one of them. Yes. And I remember, yeah, like having this weird thing about not being perceived as a chola because I'm just straight up Mexican and <laughs> living in LA. Like, wow, okay. Um, and like, so I wouldn't wear hoop earrings. I, I don't, even to this day, I don't like gold jewelry. And I think that's some type of trauma. Um, <laughs> and and it's, it's crazy to think like now, when, now that I'm out, now that I am interacting with a lot of deconstructed people, most of us are white because you know, American evangelicalism is largely white and Latin people don't really get out as much as, you know, the white people do. It's true. But yeah what is like what are your thoughts on the deconstruction community as a whole i know you follow joe lumen but like 
what do you what is your perception yeah so i actually found your podcast through the dirty rhyme church kids podcast so um that's really where all this is coming from (laughs) so i am very involved with some not involved but i do i'm in their discord and Mm. like i've made some really cool connections with some people from discord if they ever watch this i'm gonna say hello to everyone hey everyone love you guys um favorite trash talkers but yeah so um yeah i would say that it's been interesting because we do have these conversations a lot within the discord and for me um the deconstruction space being someone who is latina has been very interesting because like you said i don't have a lot of the same experiences that most white people do who leave the church Mm. I don't really understand a lot of references, like you said, when it comes to like certain mu- like worship music. Yeah, I don't really um, or even books too. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not familiar with the books. I'm like I don't fucking know. Like yeah, like I don't. Did you read I Kissed Dating Goodbye? Because that was not popular in my church. Yeah, same, same. I was like I didn't even hear of that yeah. until I left the you know that mm-hmm. space. So very interesting. Um, I would say that it's it's just a weird dynamic being Latina being raised in like a hispanic spanish-speaking latino church to then transitioning into a white church because it definitely feels like a culture shock and then leave yeah and then you have this trauma which is like the same trauma that like white folk have when they leave the church but it's like you still can't fully relate because of that cultural difference Mm. so for me it's just been really interesting like navigating the trauma like we have this shared trauma but I also don't understand some of the references you're making. So I'm just going to be here and support you from a distance. Yep. But I would love to see more um, just Latino creators talking more about their experience and leaving the church. But you're right. A lot of them don't leave the church. They kind of just stay there or just kind of leave. And that's it. Yeah. They don't have like, they don't come out and talk about it. They're just like, oh, I just don't go to church anymore. It's like, okay, well, thanks but right. <laughs> it's crazy especially when it comes to purity culture because we definitely had like don't have sex but that's the extent of the conversation that ever happened at our church um and i left when i was pretty young so maybe i just missed it but we never did the purity rings we i mean and if we did it was on our own because the jonas brothers had them or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like never went to those conferences never did the whole big shenanigan <coughs> Woo! excuse me and yeah because i feel like latin parents just don't have the talk with their kids so we don't have no. like the whole you're gonna die and you're gonna get pregnant you're gonna die it's more like a uh, don't do it and that's it <laughs> it's yeah it's true it's true and if yeah. you do get pregnant i never had this experience with like getting threatened and kicked out but i know that all of my friends i do. did what the hell <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i think my parents were a little bit progressive in that sense but that's also because my parents moved here when they were younger so my Mm. dad moved originally to the states when he was well he was brought here when he was nine years old and he was like temporarily deported because my grandma got into a fight with like the ice agent or something and so they just took him back to mexico for like a couple more years and then he came back at 12 yeah and then my mom she came here from el salvador when she was 13 and her family came here leaving the civil war Mm. so that was the whole thing so they came here when they were pretty young so i think their like formative years had a lot of like american culture influence yeah so i think that's why they trying to kick me out of the house but i'm pretty sure like they at least probably considered it at some point 
Yeah, I'm pretty pissed at my parents for threatening that. Well, my mom, because I had plenty of cousins who were teen moms and they were killing it and they're still killing it. So I was just like, what is <laughs> the worst? Is gonna Also, I was such a goody two shoes. I wanted to be in bed by 9 p.m. Just wanted to read my books. Like, there's no reason for you to be threatening me right now. All right. I know you want to scare me, but come on. Right, and I'm like, with the amount of indoctrination we have, I'm like, do you really think we're going to be doing anything? No, because if we do that, evangelical guilt is going to kick in and we're going to feel bad and just not do it anyways. I know, I hate it. Um, Let's talk about finding our voices. What was that process like for you when you left? So that was actually really, um, it was a really weird experience. And I actually didn't fully feel like I started finding my voice until recently so for the most part like I mentioned I was raised to be like this perfect little good girl um and it never really felt like me because ever since I was little I always had like a very strong fascination with superheroes and the Mm. idea of what a superhero stands for and so I always felt very conflicted because I was like I want to be like Wonder Woman like she's so cool and awesome and badass but I'm not allowed to be like that because I have to be this certain way Mm. So that was really hard for me trying to figure out, like, how can I still speak my voice and feel heard by everyone and then also conform to these rules and regulations that are given to me, which eventually I just kind of decided to abandon my whole, like, superhero aspiration of wanting to be, you know, like, loud and protect people and speak up for people And it just became like, no, I'm just going to watch now because that's not my job. You know, my job is to be a good Christian wife and have children and raise them to be godly people. That Mm. is my role in this society. And um, I think it was really around the time that George Floyd was executed where that really started to change. So at that point, I had been in white church spaces for a while, probably since I was like 14 up until... I was like 22-ish. Yeah, like around 22-ish. And um, yeah, after that happened, I I mean, I definitely felt angry. And I know a lot of people did. But seeing the silence from all the local churches mm. where it took them like a solid two weeks for them to finally respond to how they felt about the murder. And of course, a lot of them, I felt like it was almost like them just trying to do damage control. Where they were like, well, you know, racism isn't good. Racism is a sin. We don't condone it. Um, And then that was the extent of it. And what I realized is that a lot of these churches in my area are heavily funded by well-off conservative white Christians. Mm -hmm. So if they say anything in regards to condoning racism, condoning, you know, anything that makes them feel too uncomfortable, it's going to be a problem their financial status is going to suffer from that. Mm. So I was like, well, that's really fucked up because, like, do you value money or do you value this human life? Amen. So for me, that's that's really where it kind of came down to. And yeah. I was really disappointed in the way that a lot of people from my church reacted to. Like, I remember being in, like, a young adult's Bible group thing or whatever, And this month, like, there was this one specific motherfucker who really (laughs) said, like, well, slavery was in the Bible. Like, during this this happening. And I was like, I, like, that was the very first time I actually spoke out. Like, 
I was always known as the quiet one within this space, like within that church group. I was always the quiet one, like, oh, Melina, she's shy, she's quiet. That's my government name, by the way. They know me as Melina, but my friends and family only know me as Mo. <laughs> so um, if you if if you call me Melina, it's because we're not close enough yet. If you call me Mo, it's because you're a real one. Um, but that's really what it was. They're like, she's just quiet, she's shy, she's meek, or whatever the fuck they wanted to say. And so when that comment was said i i don't know what happened it's almost just like a switch kind of went off and i just went off on this dude mm. and i was like okay like it just the whole thing was just stupid i was completely appalled i could not believe that people were actually like listening to what the just everything that he was saying and i was like no this is wrong and so like i openly said that i thought it was wrong what he was saying it was not an appropriate thing for him to be saying at all and i was able to provide like evidence and facts of how he was of what he was saying was essentially wrong and that was the first time anyone really heard me speak and everyone was like wow melina we didn't expect you to say that like oh, yeah. <laughs> like this is the first time you've ever said anything and i'm like because i'm not given the opportunity to speak mm. you know and that really was my experience within that specific church was the fact that like if I would try to speak, other men in that young adults group would cut me off mid-sentence, they would talk over me, ignore me, pretend that I wasn't speaking. And I'm like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to have a voice if it's constantly being smashed by white men? Mm. So that was really frustrating for me. And um of course, I still had like a lot of trauma from like my childhood church experience and trying to navigate that and honestly just being afraid. I was just terrified, even though I was already in my 20s and I still felt the same amount of fear as I did when I was 12 years old and I was being silenced by the first church that I left. So that church, we didn't leave on good terms. My parents were essentially kicked out because they tried to stand up for something that they believed in, that they thought Bars. was wrong, that the pastor was doing. And... We got kicked out and we were harassed outside of the church for two years. Oh. And yeah, <laughs> it was it was not a good situation. And um, yeah, so I spent it just pretty much just silenced because I was just afraid and I didn't know what would happen to me if I were to speak out. And so I ended up going to therapy and in therapy, my therapist one day was like, well, what would Wonder Woman do? Yeah. And for whatever reason, that really just kind of, like, something clicked. And I was like, well, shit, she's right. Like, what would Wonder Woman do? And so she asked me that question, like, what would she do in this situation? If she saw people being harmed and people, you know, um, harming other people, like, would she just stand by and watch? Or do you think she would do something about it? And I was like, well, no, she would definitely go in there and kick their ass. Like, that's Wonder Woman. Mm. She's like, yeah. And she's like, well, maybe you should explore that a little bit and see what happens. So that's what I started to do. Yeah. I started to explore that. And the more that I spoke out and the more that I started doing that, I realized like, oh, well, this isn't too bad. Like, I'm not going to die. Like, that's really the worst that could happen. But I'm not going to. And I haven't since. So like, yeah. That really was like, I guess, like the pinnacle of me finding my voices, like thinking about what would Wonder Woman do? And then also just wanting to really um, stand up for people. And that's also how I transitioned into changing my major from graphic design to criminal justice and eventually wanting to pursue a career in law. So that's really what happened. And so 
that was also really interesting. The first job that I had in the legal field, um, my attorney at the time was like, you know, you're smart. He's just like, but you lack confidence. And he's like, we're going to work on that. And so that was the first time that anyone had ever made me feel seen. And I think being, having someone that makes you feel seen is also very important when it comes to finding your voice. Mm. Because if you can find, if someone makes you feel seen, you're like, well, I'm not just this invisible person that's constantly being talked over, that's constantly being just disregarded and just cast aside. So that was really, really just um, a huge moment for me. It's like, well, you know, like, this attorney is looking at me and they're like, no, your opinion is, is important. Like your voice matters like in this world. And so for me, that was huge when it came to finding my voice. Yeah. I think that's probably why I'm so into podcasting right now, because I mean, I love podcasts. I love all types of podcasts because I'm a freak, um, but yeah, like the important part for me about this whole journey and being because like you I'm very much like when something's wrong I really want to speak up and I was born with a bitchy attitude and <laughs> I've developed zero shame through my life <laughs> and like now having conversations with you like normal ass people like those of us who are just normal who went through it went through the motions um it's great to hear each other's stories and to hear that we're not all this like we're not all the same but we're all kind of the same um because i mean famous people are great and especially in the construction community they're amazing they're supportive they're lovely but how many times do we need to hear the same story right like it's so important to be able to amplify each other's voices especially when so many of us have been so silenced especially mm -hmm. us women mm -hmm. <laughs> i i'm curious <clears throat> now that you're like in the discord spaces and kind of what is like the weirdest thing that you've found in deconstruction how similar it can be to evangelical spaces Ooh, tell me more so and i say it's mostly again with white people um <laughs> where they listen up white people <laughs> i it's just it's crazy because even though like they left the church, they understand it's harmful for, you know, harmful theologies for whatever reasons they left and they're like, it just doesn't work for me. But they keep the same like structure, like mental structure of hierarchy mm. and of how things should be still has to be centered around whiteness and their experience. Mm -hmm. And they completely like disregard anyone else's experience. And that includes people of color. Um, you know, anything that makes them remotely uncomfortable. So like if a white creator were to say, well, you know, like, I feel like I can wear this or, you know, like say this or whatever, because I have friends of this ethnicity. I'm like, no, like, just because you have friends of this ethnicity doesn't mean you can participate in that ethnicity. That's not how this works. Right. As a white person, you need to know your place and know that you can appropriate people's culture and then, you know, just like turning, everything has to be centered around them. So you have those uncomfortable conversations. They're like, well, now I feel like you're attacking me. And they get defensive. And it's like, no, we're not attacking. We're trying to help you. But you don't want to be helped because mm. you just care about continuously being on top and being centered. And everyone else needs to conform against your comfort. 
And that's really my biggest issue with like deconstruction spaces in general. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, Joe does great work, but sometimes I just don't agree with her. I mean, we come from different countries, like we're different backgrounds, and sometimes you just don't agree with everything everybody says. But I find that some people are like really white people are really weird about it. It's like, okay, but yeah. that's what she said, and she's the authority on brown women in the deconstruction space. And I was like, okay, like I don't agree, and right. I don't know what to tell you. Like I'm not less of a person or I'm not less intelligent or less I mean I'm probably less intelligent than Joe but <laughs> <laughs> like uh it's weird like they have yeah like this hierarchy of like well this is the brown person so we're gonna listen to this one brown person or this is the gay person so we're gonna listen to this one gay person it's like, okay well there's multitudes of experiences just like there's multitudes right. of your white ass experiences so let's not diminish each other why don't we right right that's really what it is it's like well we can all experience different mm -hmm. things and still exist in this reality like you know it's I, I think that a lot of white people don't are very binary regardless if they're in or out mm -hmm. of the church and i think they have a really difficult time of understanding intersectionality yeah i think that's something that they just don't fully grasp and it could be maybe because everything's always been centered around whiteness but that's something I have noticed within the deconstruction space, within the evangelical circles, and even just like outside of the church world in general. That's just like a common white people thing. <laughs> yeah. Would you agree that it's so important for people to decolonize their faith as they deconstruct? I think so. Yeah, I do think so. I think it's important to um, learn to decolonize at the same time as they're deconstructing. Because a lot of the Christianity beliefs that they were handed to them that like we currently have are have been used as tools of oppression. And I mm. think it's really hard for a lot of white folk to understand that because they're like, well, I don't do that. I don't cause harm. I don't treat people poorly. But it's like, okay, you might not, but you still have to acknowledge that the faith that you hold has been used mm. historically to harm people you know, specifically in the Western world, people of color. And so you can't separate the two. You can't have, you know, like, oh, well, I don't do this. So that means that my faith is not harmful. It's like, no, it's both and. Like, yeah. you can have this faith and you can use it to, in a good way, and you can use it for liberation, or you can have this faith and use it to continue oppression. Yeah. What are some of the the beliefs and that you've been decolonizing? Or what was that process of decolonizing your faith like? I would say it was probably that, just like acknowledging that the faith that I had been given was harmful and it caused harm and it was not always good. It can't be good if you're using it for liberation and mm. to um, find peace or whatever it is that you need in your life. But I also needed to acknowledge for myself that it also harmed a lot of people, including myself. And yeah. that for me was difficult to understand and kind of wrap my head around because I was like, well, no, like specifically it was really sad because my, I know how much like my dad, my dad's still part of the church, mm. but he, he really wanted that for his kids. Like he wanted his kids to grow up to be like these godly people. He wanted us to love Jesus and having to walk away from that. I know it broke his heart more than it broke mine. Mm. And so that was really hard for me. 
but I also needed to acknowledge like, no, this belief system, as well intentioned as you were when you gave it to me, or when you taught me or whatever it is, it still caused harm. And I have to reckon with that reality that it's still harmful. Yeah, my dad had a similar struggle. He came to this country as a good little Christian boy, has always been a good little Christian boy. And now none of his kids are what he wanted, which is insulting, honestly, because (laughs) (laughs) I still work at a church and I preach on Sundays and I sing in the goddamn band sometimes. I'm like, what more do you want? Just because I like gay people. Okay, dad, leave me alone. (laughs) But it's it's, so true. It's so funny. And then, oh, oh my gosh. So where have you landed with your faith now? Like, where are you now? Definitely. I don't know. That's okay. It's, it's <laughs> I'm like, it's. I have to think about this because it's definitely a weird experience. Um, I don't identify with Christianity at all. Yeah. I don't go to church anymore. Um, I wouldn't say I believe in God. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't. So I would say I probably identify or fall more under like agnostic. Yeah. Um, just because I don't know. And I don't want to say that I know or that I don't know. Because I feel like saying that, oh, there is no God is the same as like me being a Christian. Be like, no, there is God. So I just, I don't know. I'm like, if there is something cool, if there's not also cool, like, what is it going to matter? I'm, I'll be dead anyways. Like, yeah. I won't know anything. So I think for me, that's really where I kind of land on. Um, Yeah, I, I mean... I do definitely, every once in a while, will say this. I like to antagonize Christians. Mm, just a little bit. It. I love it. Just a little bit. I, I love it. So every once in a while, when I'm feeling like I want to choose violence, mm. I will occasionally post something that's a little out there. Yeah. Um, just because, like, I don't know. I just, it's fun sometimes. Like, they get so worked up and everything. And I'm just like, I'm bored today and I have time. Yep. So. Yep. So I definitely like pushing their buttons every once in a while. So I'll say something like, oh, yeah, God isn't real. And then I get someone like, like, fuck you. But like in a Christian way, but yeah. it's still it's still very much fuck you. And I'm just like laughing, sitting here watching and like just watching them just go off. And I'm like, that's really funny. I'm like, you need a new hobby. For real. I get a lot of comments on like my reels or whatever. And it's always like, well, Jesus still loves you. And I'm like, get your religion away from this comment section okay like i don't need your bullshit i know i know what you believe i know exactly what you think in your little head <laughs> but oh it's just so nice because like yeah like you said they get so worked up and i'm just like mm, i don't care you're not affecting me emotionally it's so true it's so true that's why like i love sharing like anything that i can find like that i know is gonna push buttons i definitely enjoy sharing that every once in a while like most recently, I found like this like Naruto clip on TikTok, mm-hmm. which is so funny for any anime fans that have watched Naruto. Maybe you understand the reference, but it's basically one of the characters who's like trying to avenge his his sensei. And so he like is face to face with the person that he's trying to get revenge on. And this person is like some kind of like religious person within the show. And he's just like basically saying how like, He's going to feel the wrath of, like, their anime god or whatever. And, like, this character in Naruto is just, just like, well, your god doesn't frighten me. He's just like, I don't believe in that bullshit. And he's just like, besides, he's like, I'm your god right now. And I'm the one who's about to pass judgment. And then he just literally just kills the guy. Yeah, and I was like, I love Naruto. Because, like, that's literally 
that was definitely my attitude like very early on when I first left the church like I felt like I was very aggressive and combative and I'm kind of toned it down a little bit now but every once in a while I'm like no today's day today's the day I choose violence I mean sometimes they need to be put in their place you know what I'm saying it's true it's true oh my gosh this is so funny so (laughs) um so what in reclaiming your voice what do you think is like the things that we should be shouting the loudest um I would say really embodiment because I feel like finding your voice is like important and everything, but it's like, how do you find your voice, right? Like you don't have a voice because you've been suppressed your entire life. So it's like, whose voice is it? Is it your own voice? Is it the voice of other people? How do you really navigate that? And for me, what I found is like learning to listen to my body and what that means has been very helpful. Mm-hmm. So therapy, obviously great tool that helps you kind of listen to your body and listen to yourself and find that voice so essentially I had to cut a lot of people out of my life which is very unfortunate because some of these people are wonderful individuals in their own sense um but I couldn't have their like I'll pray for you Mm. or Jesus loves you I couldn't have that in my ears at the time I really just needed to disconnect because I'm like no if I have any of that, I won't be able to listen to my own voice. And I don't know what that is right now. So until I can find out, you cannot be around. So for me, I think I, yeah, unfortunately it was cutting off a lot of people and it was a lot of therapy and it was a lot of having to sit with myself and work through the very uncomfortable emotions and learning how to feel anger and rage. Cause as you know, in evangelical circles, Especially if you're a woman, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to be angry. You mm-hmm. can't be angry. You can only be happy, smiles all the time. If you're angry, there's something wrong with you. So having to go through that was very hard. But it was also very beneficial to like learning how to hear my voice. So I'm like, okay, anger for me became like a very good indicator something was wrong. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, well, I'm feeling this very uncomfortable feeling. I'm feeling really angry. And I kind of also learned to identify feelings with colors, too. So I'm like, well, I feel red today. For me, red is, like, anger. Mm. And so I'm like, well, I'm feeling red right now. So that means that something is wrong. Now I have to investigate what is happening and why I'm feeling this color in order for me to figure out how I can process that. So a lot of my anger essentially ended up being grief. And that was... um, Difficult to kind of process. I think grief in every situation is difficult to process because it sucks. It's really sad. Um, And so, yeah, learning to grieve the loss of the life that I had within the evangelical church and then also grieve the loss of the life I could have had if I was Mm. never a part of the evangelical church. Mm -hmm. So that was really what it was. So after I went through that grieving process and I was like, well, that sucks. Like, I feel like essentially I was cheated out of my childhood, my early years, my youth. Um, I kind of learned to be like, well, okay, that happened. It sucked, but I can't do anything about it. It's like, there's no way I can really get back those years or that time. But what I can do is I can work towards becoming the person that I want to be. 
And now that I'm free from the evangelical space, I can do that. And that can look however I want it to look like. And that's really how I ended up learning to find my voice. Sorry, I was muted. I love it. Um, I am so stoked for this journey for you. I mean, I just, I mean, I found it to be just incredibly liberating and I'm glad that you found the Dirty Rotten Church Kids Discord. I hear it is a phenomenal resource for those of us who are continuing to deconstruct our faith and like finding ourselves in the end, you know? I think it's great. Um, oh, absolutely. Do you have anything you want to plug now that we're kind of ending the the, the show? Um, I mean, I just have like my Instagram if anyone wants to follow that. Sometimes I post like art stuff or like yeah. if you want to see me antagonize christians a little bit poke their push their buttons and like go ahead my instagram is mo.dominguez and yeah that's that's really all i have i love it i guess (laughs) and friends if you are looking for a good community go ahead and join the dirty rotten church kids discord um it's a great resource full of great people and i hear they even meet up in real life to be homies so if you need some homies go get the homies All right, friends. Well, as always, you can find us on Speaking at Church on Instagram. You can find me at Josie Takes the World. We have merch. It's pretty cute. I make it myself. And by making myself, I mean I design it myself and then somebody else makes it. Uh, I have a tip jar. If you want to give me money, I do this for free and I'll continue to do it for free because I don't give a fuck. Um, But also, my partner is miserly somewhat. He's a white guy, you know. If I want a new microphone, I have to buy it myself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. As always, stay woke, get woke, or get woke. Bye. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.